Hi, I'm Mandy. I'm Lucy. And I'm Mickey. Welcome to Catcall, the feminist podcast. So welcome to the third episode of Cat Call, the feminist podcast with me, Andy. And I'm Lucy. And I'm a feminist comedian, Megan Ford. Great. And we just wanted to pitch our social media. Um, so we made a Twitter account, um, at Cat Call Podcast. Um, please send us emails at um, catcallpodcast at gmail.com, um, I think. Yeah, no, it, it is. It, <laughs> it is. sounded really confident, so... <laughs> Let's just say it is. I think it is. Um, send us emails about uh, problems you have. We're really excited. We want to become agony aunts, so please send us emails um, because no one has. Like feminist agony aunts? Yeah, yeah. Like if you have a feminist problem yeah. or a qualm, then like let us know. You're we... like, this guy at work told me to smile, and I don't know if it's sexist or if I really was just looking <laughs> shitty that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He thinks like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we're, we really want to do that. So, please, please send us emails. Um, what else? That's well, a three pitch. I think that's it. That's it, yeah. Great. Well, let's get going then. Okay. So, do you guys want to start or? Yeah, so uh, yeah. So now we're into like our new segmenty bit. So we've got Andy joining us now. Yeah. Um, we're going to go through some of the news stories from the last week. One of the big ones has been the story about John Whittingdale, who um, he's currently the Secretary for State of Culture, Media and Sport. Um, the story that's come out about him was from uh, 2014, so around the time of the Leveson Inquiry. He was appointed as someone that was very key in this. So Leveson Inquiry was the time when they were looking into all of the dirt that was coming out of um, the press and deciding what needed to be done. At this time, it transpired that John Whittingdale ha was having a relationship with um, a sex worker who also worked as a dominatrix. Um, and he, um, this story came out to several newspapers who didn't run the story, the, um, their argument being that it wasn't in the public interest and the public had no right to know and he had a right to a private life which um, on, on, on the surface seems like absolutely what the press should have been doing. Um, however, he's now come out and um, said that he was embarrassed about that time um, and um, what we're going to be discussing are the repercussions of that for, um, for potentially the woman who he was seeing and um, sort of our attitude towards sex work because we had uh, sex workers opera on last week. Which was great. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So Andy, do you want to? What do you think about this new story? Oh, I think oh, my levels are up. Sorry uh, for the listeners. I'm in another room looking after the levels. So we we're separated by um, I feel a like a cat. Wall. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I feel very. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the story. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of hypocritical of him to do that because obviously he was in a relationship for one year I think he said with that woman yeah um and it's I don't know how it's six months sorry six months that's really not very long no it's not long but I I I, I mean, think it's, it's relevant. incredibly <laughs> kind of um demeaning to that woman to because she's a sex worker she lost suddenly all the appeal he found in her so he said that this story was embarrassing for him but Obviously, he was in that relationship with that woman for a reason. But because she was a sex worker and because he kind of one day figured out she was a sex worker, she lost all the appeal um, to him. And it kind of um, 
it kind of says a lot about how we view sex workers in our society. It shows that we don't see them as full, all-rounded human beings. We see them as um, humans that are there for like the pleasure of the people that pay them and 2D characters, which are nothing more than um, there for people's sexual pleasure. Um, but as we saw last week, uh, uh, Milena, who's, who's a sex worker and working for the Sex uh, Workers Opera, um, I mean, she's way more than just that. Like, we had, like, intelligent and conversations with her because, like, because she's an intelligent woman who decided she wanted to do sex work. And I can't, obviously, I can't speak for her for the reasons. I don't think we um, elaborated on that with them last week. Um, but I think we need to, as a society, wake up to the fact that sex workers are much more than just their jobs. Like, we, like, as a you know, ju journalist, uh, I would never be asked, like, oh, so you're more than your job? Ooh. <laughs> like, I mean, for we there's kind of like this double standard with sex workers than with any other job where we can't, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just beyond me that he could have said that she's embarrassing to him. Well, I think, well, I'm looking at the thing. I think he said it was an embarrassing situation or embarrassing time like do we know did, like did, is he saying that he ended it with her when he found out she was a sex yes, worker exactly. yes okay because i was unclear i thought that he ended it when he thought it might go public well this is the thing because that's different i think obviously that's a different he's he's come his public um record of it is that he met her on match.com they they went out for a brief period of time and then when um I think he said that basically, so yeah, so he said when someone contacted him from a newspaper and said, you're dating a dominatrix and a sex worker, he put his hands up and went, I had no idea, and then ended it. And then the newspapers didn't follow up with a story at that time. It's only just come out now. Okay. So this was two so years ago. So it's possible that he got that phone call, said that just to like cover his ass, then had yeah. a conversation with her and was like, what should we do? And she was like, let's end it because I don't want to be in the public eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah that's and so it's possible that, like, this is his line. Because I, I do think I – I think you have to understand, like, like we all understand that uh, sex scandals, political sex scandals, are a thing. So if you're going to, like, play with matches with that, like, the, you know, you know, you have to know that getting into it. So I think maybe he was going, you know what, I'm not going to like this match. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. 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 I think that they that definitely still tells us something about how, um, as someone who's considered to be a politician, someone that's supposed to be respectable and in inverted commas, will respond when um, someone that they might care about and love yeah. comes out that they're a sex worker. It, it, would be, it, yeah. it would be great if he was like, you know what, I don't care, I support that, you're brilliant. Um, yeah. And then it came out publicly and said, yeah, she used to be a sex worker, there's no shame in that. Or she is or a, she sex is a sex worker, yeah. rather, and there's no shame in that. Um, but he probably, it sounds like, you know, rather than stand up and, cause not, and not everyone wants to be an activist for something, he probably was just like, you know what, I'm not going to yeah. face yeah. this and I'm going to avoid the... Like, on balance, this yeah. isn't worth it for me. Yeah, because you know you know that the Daily Mail and all the people who read it, which is unfortunately a lot of people, <laughs> are going to are gonna gun for you if, yeah. you, if you, if this story came out when, or, you know, and they probably yeah. are now. And I, one thing, though, that's good I should, we should mention is in the articles we've looked at, um, the woman has not been named, so it's yes. really nice that the press is currently being respectful of her privacy. Absolutely. We'll see, yeah. we'll see the Daily Mail Monday morning, see if yeah. that's changed. Someone's probably <laughs> yeah. on that Someone, right now. Someone's calling, some friend of hers is calling up right now and selling the story. One of the things I really like was that it's an article by um, Nikki or Nitchie Hodgson, and um, 
their sort of subtext on that, so the top line says, the culture secretary seems blind to the fact that it's not only his former partner he's distanced himself from, it's his own spine as well, which mm. I, I think is a quite yeah. damning report on, on how he's responding to this, but at the same time it kind of summed up my feeling of it. Like, if you're... I just don't feel like he's he's necessarily tackled this head on in a way which would help to address and demystify some of the assumptions that people make about sex work, which is that it's um, a shameful occupation to take up. Um, yeah. But I don't know how many years in the future it might be where we start to think about sex work as something which is a legitimate job and something which deserves to be just a thing yeah. that is also a thing in the same way as being a nurse <laughs> or a writer or whatever occupation you want to take. Um, but yeah, that's that's a very personal opinion. Well, yeah, that might go that might go back to um, a, a broader goal of of ridding the world of objectification and which would be nice and you know because because that's the that's why i think there, there's a problem with it is because like you said before when you're only sexualize someone mm. and not don't see the sex worker as you know a, a human being beyond that and that's what objectification is so if we improve that then maybe we'll get there with <laughs> sex work being yeah you know. And I also think that he could have handled this so much better. He could have earned so much respect from so many communities who are often just like, like you marginalized know, yeah, marginalized mm. is the word, thank you, is the word I was looking for. Um, and he could have, you know, spoken out for those marginalized communities. And that's what, uh, well, for me, the job of an MP is, is to speak out for, like, the people you represent. And um, most MPs have... Uh, house in or like a flat in London yeah and so um London is obviously like a little liberal bubble um in the in England and I know that uh it's not the same in every other part of the UK and he could have been damned like I'm sure the scandal is way worse in other parts of the UK right now um but the fact is he could have handled it so much better and like opened up a conversation about it and he just shut it down um so that's just a sad sad thing that's well, I mean, we can write to him. Write to your MP. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we can write to him. They, they, they take those things. That is true. Yeah. We could go see them, him. Like, you know. You could get him on the podcast. Get yes. him on the interview. Just say, Let's we just should get him on the podcast. Cat call exclusive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> John Whittingdale. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he'd be... Uh, I'm not sure he's a... I don't know if he's a feminist. I don't know. I don't, well, I'm kind of he's, sorry he, for him in a way. Like, he's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. It's yeah. True. It's... Yeah. It's... He's not going to... But in both cases, he's just going to get completely screwed by mm. the media, um, both left wing and right wing. So he just needs to pick a side now and which he'd rather stand on. But I think I have a suspicion that he probably knew that she was a sex worker. Um, we don't. We just don't know these. We don't the thing, know. But like, like, I'd much rather have. How a, can you keep that a secret for six months? Well, I think that you uh, things that we should know about our MPs are things like their tax, whether or not they abide by the same rules yeah. they expect us to abide by things that we don't really need to know are, are their sex lives unless this is what I was trying to dig about dig up as like are people going crazy about this John Whittingdale story because he's at some point come out damning damning sex work has he come out and said something or, or mm. acted, acted against something and he, he hasn't so that, there I isn't think... anything that he's done here yeah, that actually... isn't like hip, he's not a hypocrite exactly in that sense. so in that sense like why do we need to know uh, yeah. yeah I feel that way the, the thing I mean, yeah, I honestly don't care. I remember growing up during the whole Clinton scandal, um, and I remember conversations just being, you know, we don't care what goes on in the bedroom. Every world leader has affairs. Like, why are we having to deal with this? He's a, like, you know, our house, we thought he was a good president, so we're like, why are we dealing with these problems? Um, 
And but this is where when it comes to sex scandals, so it's it's not specifically about this one, but I don't care if they have an affair. I like obviously it's not like uh, you know a great judge of character, like you know, uh, but uh, like again, I like I don't care. What I do care is that they know that having an affair, if they get caught, is going to potentially cost them the career and the job that they have yeah. fighting for our rights or for whatever that we want them to represent us for. The fact they're willing to risk that, that concerns that's me. That's irresponsible. Yeah. yeah, because they know that if they get caught, that's going to happen. I also find it very interesting, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know of very many female politicians who've had sex scandals. No. No. But, like, I think why it was a, such a scandal was also because um, he was in Leveson and because the media didn't report it straight away. So I read a quote somewhere... Um, in the article you sent me, which said that it might have been held over his head for a while. So and there's so a potential that he could have been blackmailed with it. Yeah, which, exactly. Which, which, which makes it problematic. Which is worrying. That would yeah. be the part which worries me because he uh, also didn't act out on some of the things he said he would do during Leveson, something about Article 40 um, of the law where he should have... Um, Something about cross-party um, consensus. So the, the idea being that so he's he's basically been swayed and pushed around by yeah. by the media because they have this story on him. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Which is concerning. It is concerning. I I, I do think that, that this thing of um, like coming back to what you were just talking about there, Megan, when you were saying, um, oh, I completely lost. That it. they might know that the media is gonna attack them yeah so I think this is like for me just comes back to this thing I know I'm always the one to be like but we should do all of these amazing things and we should just change just change the world that's fine just change the world but that thing of like if we lived in a, in a society where we were just that bit more understanding which I think we might be we might have to get to because we're so much more laid bare to the public in terms of how much privacy we think we have and how much we actually have if we live in a society where we learn to be more understanding of one another that actually if you are in a position of power and you're 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 absolutely standing for the rights of your citizens and you're and you're doing your bit and you also happen to be getting a bit on the side people just go that's none of my business we all yeah, do it that would be the ideal place the yeah. ideal place would be <laughs> you can have an affair and get away with it. No, that's not what it's saying. very French, Andy. <laughs> no, it is. No, but, but yeah, but the the ideal thing would be that nobody cares. But because we live in a world where they do care, I'm just like it's a bit stupid. Not not this guy because that he wasn't having an affair. But like people who have an affair or like send a dick pic to a teenager or like those lots of politicians do stuff like that. Like I'm like I'm not as much concerned about your sort of sex act as I am about the fact that you're so stupid. Yes. That you mm. got caught. Yeah. Or that you even did something that, like, was so easy to catch. And you knew that this would risk the yeah. thing that I just voted you in. Exactly. To it's really... But yeah. I think it's very British to be so concerned with the sex lives of, like, the politicians. I remember the current uh, French prime... Uh, president, sorry, I've stayed in England way too long. Uh, <laughs> but the, pre- the French president, Fr- François Hollande, um, he had not one, but two affairs, uh, and his um, he had very low ratings. And during the affairs, his ratings went up. So I don't know if that's uh, the point we want to get at. But no, like, I don't know if we want to get there. Not. Or like Italy, where <laughs> yeah. Berlusconi is just this basically in a Playboy mansion. <laughs> like, yeah, this yeah. this wouldn't happen in the UK. I just don't think we'd... I'm okay with that too. I mean, I don't know. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. I think we should get to a middle part where, like, if it's not hypocrisy and if they're yeah. not using our taxpayers' money to do cocaine and snort it off the backs of hookers yeah. or, or 
prostitutes or sex workers um, were completely fine. Like, I mean, I don't really care about what they do in the bedroom. They might have something. I mean, I know John Whittingdale is single. Uh, isn't he? And he's I think he is now, yeah. Yeah. But get yeah. my he, number, ladies. Yeah. He's available now. By the way, he's single. <laughs> Andy's been keeping up to date with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next boyfriend. Um, but I forgot what I wanted to say now. So I'm I think I sum up is that if we lived in a perfect world, then this wouldn't have even been a story because we'd all be much more understanding of one another. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, next so story. Yeah. What's our other new story that's been in the news, Andy? <sighs> Well, the other news story just made me really angry when I figured it out yesterday. Um, I've been raging in ab- about it. Um, it's uh, Harvard. Wait, I'll open the page. Andy's got the pr- the uh, <laughs> privilege of a computer exactly. on her side of the screen, so she's got all of the all of the know-how, all of the power, all of the powers. Um, so basically, it's Harvard's oldest ma- uh, male-only club who said that they couldn't possibly admit women into their all-male club because they might sexually assault them. Uh, And it's that whole idea that men can't possibly control themselves or their sexual um, impulses, which is, I think... It's insulting almost to male. It completely is. I mean, this is what I'm talking about engaging men in feminism and why it's so important is because it's completely backwards to... uh, you can't say that like all all you know we can't say all women are anything because like we are a variety of things but all men are like perverts and rapists and like of course not in fact and it's not an excuse I find it's often used oh it's boys boys will be boys that kind of thing I'm like no 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 like this is not the norm they should it should not be treated as such and in fact you said um, so the actual quote that you just highlighted. <laughs> um, th- he doesn't say sexual assault he says sexual misconduct which sounds like. You know, you what got, even is that? Yeah. Slap on so, the hand. Yeah, yeah. And this conduct sounds like you know, like ooh, like you accidentally like, like got caught boobies. making out behind the bleachers. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't. It like it like. But what what he meant was yeah, this idea that like men are animals and it just yeah, that really grinds my gears. The other assumption that I just think sounds really like oh come on guys is that if you if you're basically saying that the only way to um keep men from not um doing uh, performing any mis- sexual misconduct is to keep them in their own clubs in their own space and not let them interact with any other kind of person and i can't yeah. think of anything worse than than that yeah it's also that idea in america i think a lot where um no like all the policy in some schools are um no uh sex no, like no sex before marriage. Abstinence. Kind of? That's abstinence, what they call abstinence. Yeah. yeah. You must That's, know about this, Megan. Yeah. So I am American. American. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, I was lucky. We did have sex ed, so it's not like we were completely blinded from it. But yeah. So they, you know, uh, we did learn about you know use condoms and all that stuff. But a lot of schools, um, especially in more conservative areas, will teach abstinence, which is just don't do it, and that's uh, not realistic. No. Yeah. For kids, for, well, for for any for anyone you know of of the right age, you know, like it just increases like pregnant like teenage pregnancy rates. If anything, because they can't protect themselves, like they don't know how to have responsible sex because no one told them or good sex. I mean, there's so many problems yeah. with it. I mean, yeah. it's just like there's so many problems with the way that sex is taught, and that's actually probably a whole other conversation about you know what we need for sex education um but in in this particular case uh yeah i think to just assume that the the norm is men will 
uh, you know, attack a woman because they can't control themselves. It's just ridiculous. I really like what was the response from, um, um, oh, yeah, Democratic re- representative of Ma- Ma- Massachusetts. Thank you. Well, obviously, I've had an American in the room, um, <laughs> Catherine Clark, and she's, she tweeted and said, or instead of blaming women, you could focus on teaching members of your club to not sexually assault people, maybe? Which I think that that seems to be the most rational response to this. Yeah. Well, and, th- and that's the thing, you know. I th- a lot of uh, I have a sketch in my my show about the the um, adverts that we we used to get more of them um, that were basically like don't drink women because you might get raped and that's your fault, you know, <laughs> if you drink. And uh, there's recently been more ads more geared towards men saying like don't rape <laughs> and that's what that's, that's you know and that and that's what we what we need that's the and that's the the point she's that woman's making in that quote there is 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 you know you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing have you seen the new talking boobs adverts um no what's that so, so <laughs> it's actually quite good like okay. so it's basically it's basically <laughs> Um, someone's like animated these inanimate objects and they put forward the opinions of um, young teenage boys and girls and there's like a, a, a bra with boobies in it okay. and she's she's saying um, you know someone's saying but what if they do this that's not consent it's like one boob's talking to the other okay. it's actually quite cool okay oh, I was just okay cool. when you said talking boobs advert I thought it was going to be like like a pair of breasts just saying like drink carling. Car- 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 yeah, sorry. Boobs. The the Listen to the boobs. Yeah, but no, it's actually really good. Um, we should probably like use that for the next thing. Actually, yeah. if you haven't seen it, it's you know when you watch like four videos and you get the adverts pop up. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, talking boobs. What's That's going on good. here? It's really I, good. It's, it's something also like so I. Uh, take the tube in London everywhere and uh, there are always ads for like don't harass our workers or like don't eat smelly food or you know uh, don't wear your ears no you don't wear your ears don't wear your ears today. <laughs> don't play your earphones too loud yes that's the music too loud on your earphones that sort of thing and uh, one thing I think would be really great is uh, don't touch women up on the tube and mm-hmm. don't like sexually harass women on the tube we need that because uh, it happens so much and uh, I hear stories every week about it happening to someone and there are so many times where it happened to me and I didn't even realize that's what it was mm. and then now I'm looking back and now that I've yeah. had this like feminist awakening if you and I'm like oh my gosh like that was a thing that happened because I was a woman and it was definitely uncomfortable uh and the um they've done an advert about it though oh have they yeah okay well because there's a there was a uh initiative called Project Guardian which the tr- British Transport Police set up um working with Laura Bates from Everyday Sexism mm. And it was actually on the news a couple of weeks ago that they are dismantling that program. And now, because it was like a specific place that you could, and I used okay. to tell people about it, like, this is where you can go to complain about, like, not complain, that's like a really Report. bad, really bad term for, <laughs> for we're talking about the way we use language. Women, uh, women complaining. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, uh, to, to report, uh, and, and they said literally on the thing, like, report anything, like anything that makes you uncomfortable. You know, because there have been times where, I thought, well, he didn't touch me, so I what can I or like he didn't say anything really, so what can I report? But I mean, it's just the, I think the idea is like just report, report, report everything, so that people yeah. don't realize how often it happens. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now um, it's not a dedicated place. It just will be, they're gonna say they say they're just gonna train everybody who works for British Transport Police. Uh, so that they can all deal with it. But I actually okay. think, like, that's, like, it's, no not, place it's not the same. Them. Yeah, so it's not the same. It's basically, you, you don't know, have a place where you can You don't have a place a where you can go, yeah. and also, like, they're, I think they're more likely to ignore it, or the, the person who's not necessarily sympathetic is going to get that, end up with that on their desk and, and not do the right, 
you know, the best thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned about that. But I think that um, along the same lines, trying to get back to the Harvard thing, that, you know, the, the idea of, of, you know, teaching our boys and our men, it, you know, is the first step. Yeah, yeah. because I also think that, like, um, often these problems stem from uh, bad sex ed where women aren't taught that they can have pleasure from sex, actually. You know, it's a thing. Like, men are often taught that, like, oh, sex is amazing. Like, you'll have such a great time. But women are often taught, not told, you know, not told, but it's kind of this, like, underlying theme that women are only there for the pleasure of men and having babies. Yeah, and, and also the-, the idea that women don't want to have sex or that yeah. women are interested. You know, this is something, you know, we were talking about my podcast with 90s TV. One thing that I, we see coming a lot is, is the idea of female purity and the idea of, like, men wanting sex all the time and girls trying not to have it. And that is not exactly. what I know of anybody, yeah. male or female, that I grew no. up with or anything. Like, that's just not how it happens. Yeah. yeah. I got slightly drunk at a bar the other day and I was talking about <gasps> catcall. I know. <laughs> Where is this story going to go? And like, it wasn't the other day, it was a few weeks ago. Well, um, it sounds like whatever t- happened, you were asking for it. I know, prob- <laughs> probably. I was wearing a dress, so, you know. And I was talking to this guy who'd brought, um, for, he was on a date uh, and like this much older guy and we started talking um, and I don't know how he got there, but. I kind of got very drunk, so I kind of felt a completely strange, and I was like, you know, I like having sex, and I've got, like, I'm creating this podcast with this other girl about, like, feminism and stuff, and we had this conversation about women liking sex, and he was like, no, they don't like sex, they just do it to have, like, you know, it's, like, a thing to have babies, and he was, like, obviously very old-fashioned, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of ended up explaining um, him stuff, and then he was like, oh, your boyfriend's obviously whipped, like, it's like it's obviously, like, a kind of a you're holding his balls by him by the balls because he can't say anything in that relationship and that's also something where you're like but like I just told you I like sex I never told you I whipped my boyfriend and like you know just like told him to do the dishes and you know do all those things and you know like it's it's like a mutual relationship and especially with old-fashioned people you find that well, they it's couldn't possibly enjoy it. it, it what are you saying? They're from a different time. Yeah. Like, they're dinosaurs. Yeah. I, I, like, the way that the, also the way that the world is moving today, like, you know, I'm 32 and sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm still, you know, so, but, yeah. so you think about that. I had a, a radio interview I did last week with, and it just ended up being, I was calling in, so like, I couldn't be there. And they were joking about like these old, they could tell they're all like middle-aged men sort of joking about being misogynist. And they were like, don't worry, we're not really misogynist. I always hold the door open for women. Whoa. And, um, <laughs> So, and, and, you know, like in that moment, it was like I had, I was on for like five minutes. I had to promote my show and I was like, you know what? Like I don't have time to teach them, like to yeah. do a, get How into do a lecture. How do you do this in five minutes? Yeah. But I, but not only that, like, I don't know if it's worth trying. This is something up for debate, but like, I don't it's know if it's really not. worth trying to get to people who, See, that's you know, the, just let yeah. the old people die off. <laughs> I get that. And but I also th- will like... take over. But in the meantime, that guy is you know, probably an MP and is making decisions on our, you know, our lives. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's the thing that I find that, and, and absolutely I'm up for debating this, but some of the, the like things that sometimes when I walk away from a feminist event, whether that's like a discussion, a debate, mm-hmm. a talk, a march, um, a feminist show, whatever, I always leave thinking, yeah, that was really nice, but the people whose opinion like I absolutely get your point that like you want to invite people that want to come on board and Mm. want to learn more but the they're not the people whose opinion needs to change the people who you who we need who need to become more accepting or need to understand what feminism is more are the people that so often 
just aren't invited because there is that sense of like, well, we can't change their mind anyway. Well, yeah. so this is this is how I think of it, and this is why. So I, you know, if you think of it, I'm trying to how I describe this over <laughs> the radio. So if you think of it. Let's say spectrum, because that's the thing people use a lot, right? So on one end, you've got, like, your super liberal, progressive feminist person on one end, and you've got your super right-wing conservative, you know, Donald Trump, like, sort of person on, on one end. Um, and not even Donald Trump, because I actually don't think he believes half the stuff he says. But let's no. say Donald Trump supporter, right? Somebody who, like, like really loves their gun. Okay. So um, now, uh, I don't necessarily think that, like, either ends of the spectrum are really going to listen to each other. But... Uh, on the end of the liberal progressive spectrum, right, so you've got us, we're doing a feminist podcast, whatever, but, like, I've got male friends who maybe identify as feminist or believe in, like, but, like, haven't, like I said, because of their privilege, haven't necessarily thought about these things. So they're the ones that I want to come to the show because, they'll, they'll, you know, those type of people might come to the show and then go, oh, you know what, like, I never thought about that, about how, uh, you know, rape culture says that women should, you know, change their behavior rather than men who never huh okay and then like they start seeing these things and then they talk about it with like their brother when they're home for Christmas and then he talks about it at work mm -hmm. and then basically it just becomes this sort of thing where eventually that end of the spectrum becomes so weighed over with people who are on the right side of history and are, are you know are learning more that those ancient dinosaurs on the far end are just gonna shoot each other and die. That's that's, that's my thing. That's <laughs> like they're gonna they're gonna end up like fight you know fighting over donuts and kill each other, but like or something. But like I totally get that, and I tot I totally like I love I, that's a really really amazing way of explaining it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. What am I yeah. talking about? I totally so like get so like thing. so that's the thing. It's, my, it's, it's a slow but, creep. But we have to sort of like it's a slow from creep, but our side first. Yeah, it's sort of like you know, and then eventually like they'll come over. But, but that thing will to they reach though? For them. But will they though? Because um, that's my thing. Is like if you're creating this thing, and I and I love that. So, you know, yeah. these micro interactions that ha end up having a huge impact overall yeah. is there not this thing of like yeah but they're just they're getting more alienated they're not actually coming closer they're just staying the, 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 those people I think I don't I, the, anyway you, I mean like maybe we'll find a better solution for the, in this theory that I have I think I'm okay with them staying alienated and staying yeah. in their weird little bubble because uh, and, and you know just, just on an individual basis there are certain people who you're not going to change their mind on certain things yeah um, and there are youth as well. So I, I joke about it being old people that are going to... But, like, there are young people who are going to stick to that, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, if the rest of the world around them has changed, especially as, as you know, as more generations come up, like, they're not going to have a choice. Yeah. And I guess as well as that thing of once you create that what that um, amount of people that actually then they have the power. So actually they're not the people that are making the decisions exactly. that impact us. Yeah, so yeah. totally. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah really, really amazing yeah. way also, of explaining it. I'm open to, like, having conversations with people but I like, and I'm open to having debates. I love a good debate with like someone who's got a very different opinion to me. But at the same time, it's like, what's the point of having a debate with someone who is so entrenched in it that he's not making that he or she is not even making an effort to understand the point where you're coming from? It's just not productive. It's just like, going to mm -hmm. end up in a yell fest. That's the that's you know? that's one of the negative sides of the internet is is that you oh, it's really worries. hard to have a discourse like that on the yeah. internet because whereas I think if you're sitting in, in some in front of someone, you're much more likely to actually listen to each other and have that conversation, but why would you end up sitting with that person? You know, I mean it's it's very you know, I guess you know, we joke about actually like going home for the holidays, right? So like my I have family members that are probably Trump supporters. And Oof. uh my dad, so it's my dad, oh, I don't want to go into specifics. Anyway, it's it's my dad's side of the family, I'll say. And my dad is not, uh, 
like that at all, obviously. Yep. Like, he's a he's like activist, feminist, whatever. So, like, they've just made a decision. We don't talk about this. Stuff. Yes. And yeah. and so we're we're not. They're, they've decided we're not changing each other's minds on this. Let's not talk about it. Because um, you can't just not invite each other for like Thanksgiving or Christmas. Exactly. Right? I have a very exactly. thing with my family. Where my dad's side of the family, my dad, my dad isn't the same. But my 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 grandparents are young conservatives. They've always voted mm-hmm. very conservative, and they love the Queen. And 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 we just can't. She's fabulous, though. <laughs> she, is, she is rather wonderful. <laughs> my middle names. I'm named after her slightly. Elizabeth. But, yeah, Lucy Elizabeth. Ooh. One of my favorite names. I do love it. Oh, thank you. Good name. <laughs> thank you. But so. Um, yeah, just that thing of like, I understand that, that there are certain conversations that I just don't have because I know that that, that they would never budge. Yeah, and it's but just those are people aggravate you don't... everyone at the table, and yeah. then Christmas is going to be a disaster, and then you're never going to speak to each other again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I love yeah. my grandparents. Exactly. And and like, so yeah. we, and we don't, to and we don't choose <laughs> our family, right? So yeah. it's like you know what? If if it's you know like Saturday afternoon and you're like I want to go out for lunch with someone you're probably not going to call the racist uncle (laughs) to meet you for lunch you know so you don't have to spend you know it's like spend time with them you know it's like let's compartmentalize the time that we spend with those people I think I like I like surrounding myself in a safe space yeah I also you know I like hearing different opinions but I think um there's all it's very difficult to see logic in a lot of these arguments and you can't argue with someone who's not bringing logic to the table so yeah, you yeah. there's nothing you can say back to them um i'm more interested in like you said having these debates with people who we're we're just we're all on the same side we're just figuring out yeah. maybe how to get there we're at yes. least the, open the, the, to the idea is. you know open to the idea to the idea of understanding different points of views i can talk to someone who's like a men's rights activist i'm not going to possibly agree with him on a lot but i'm going to try to understand from where he, he or she, by sadly, comes from, um, and try to have like a meaningful conversation. And we're probably going to try to like budge each other on certain bits, like you know, bits of information or like facts. Um, but it's always like a positive conversation. And when it's done in a positive and safe manner, it's not just like a yell fest. You're saying like you piece of shit. Yeah, you know, it's like useful. sometimes Some like form, it's very like constructive yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it's it's kind of. I think like, some of the best. That's the thing that I'm trying to like that I'm trying to get at is that when like when you get into a room with someone who completely disagrees with you but is in some way reciprocal and wants yeah. to just debate it, that's when the really difficult conversations happen. As opposed to like um, sometimes when you surround yourself with people that that are like minded, but but are, you know there's still some budge room there. Um, that as 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 productive as I definitely think that is. Sometimes yeah. the root cause. I don't know. I just think that it's it it can be comfortable to put yourself in a position sure. like that. But that then it's that thing of like, but how how do we move it forward? But then like you were saying, it's that thing of actually there are a lot of people that maybe don't necessarily identify as a feminist, but would definitely come to a show and then be like, bloody hell, I'm a feminist. I'm a bl- yeah. I'm a feminist. Yeah, that I think sort of. I think it's those things, especially with young people, that like we just ha- let's have these conversations more, and then if they're listening, you know, keep it going. I don't think that these dinosaur people we're talking about are listening i don't think they're willing to listen (laughs) no um but you know what i you know i say this i haven't really tried it a lot so maybe i'll try and make an effort to sort of you know bring the dinosaurs in well i'm not gonna argue with my trump loving family 
But, you know, I definitely, you know, sometimes work with people who are definitely Tory voters. Yeah. And I'm not going to, again, like, I don't know what the point, I'm not going to like be like, hey, come over here, let's have a conversation about that, you know. But if something comes up, I do try and call people out on things mm-hmm. and, and try and get into a conversation of like, why do you feel that way? What, you know, what experience have you had that makes you think that I had this with someone are we out of, are we running low on time this is not like it's fine you can keep going for a okay. few minutes just like finish your sentence and then we can <laughs> well no it's, it's a whole other story so <laughs> we won't get into it drop. no we won't we'll, we'll drop it I, I'm not going to get into it because it's like a whole anecdote okay maybe yeah. next time you can yeah. do fun nasty in a pensioner's home or something like in a retirement yeah. house yeah that could be interesting. That would be really it would be really interesting, actually, to have, to, you know, I had some older audiences in Edinburgh, and um, they were more like, oh, isn't that nice? You know, Aww. but I don't think they, like, yes, were like, they weren't like, yes, I want to run out and smash at the patriarchy. They were like, oh, isn't it nice that the girl did a show? You know? oh, <laughs> like, well done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a wrap. Um, I don't know how to introduce the next part because um, what do we, we have still have we Megan. Still... F- well, we like we recorded the interview first. but oh. it actually comes second in the oh, podcast. Yeah. We've we've just done a bit of a Tardis Doctor Who loop de loop thing today. Exactly. So, so after you'll it. hear more of uh, Lucy and Megan, yeah. and I'll just drop off the air. <laughs> what we, who we have? Who have we got next week? Um, Are we still deciding? Are we going to Twitter about is it? Bring someone over, but I can't remember. He always brings Ooh. the best people. Yeah, I do know. This week. <laughs> Sex workers off for last week. We're just awful. We look, we we haven't organised any interviewees. Well, I've Mickey's half just the, done. Mickey's the girl. With she's the, the goddess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's great. Mickey. Yeah, she's amazing. Anyway. She won't be here this week, but she will be here next week. Yay! This fall in a cinema near you. Mike Loserbag was just a normal guy. I'm so bored at my job. He met some other guys, and they wanted to have some fun together. One night, bro. Booze, drugs, punching. But his girlfriend was a big party pooper and didn't want him to have any fun. If you so much as smile, I am going to leave you. So he ignored her and had fun with his friends anyway. Then he met a blonde girl way too hot for him who let him do whatever he wanted. (laughs) Wanna watch me and my twin sister make out? (laughs) Mike Loserbag realized he needed to get rid of that rat-faced sourpuss girlfriend of his so he could have fun all the time. What I realized is, life is about following my dreams, not being a grown-up or compromising for the sake of a relationship. Starring overweight Jew as Mike Loserbag some brown-haired chick as his miserable girlfriend, and no name doesn't matter as the fun hot girl. It's Losers Always Win, coming this fall. So, um, hi, so I'm with Megan Ford, who is a comedian, um, a singer, and um, also a cabaret artist. Is that right to say? Yeah, I haven't I haven't done the, the cabaret stuff so much recently, but that's definitely in my in my past. It's in my it's in my hi- history of who I am. <laughs> I think that's the we did some research and I found some really fantastic videos with some very wild makeup and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think when we started that act. I have a double act called Pistol and Jack. It was very much out of I want to be a drag queen. So I'll just like wear like what can I do where I can wear as much like glitter and fake eyelashes as possible and cabaret act was born <laughs> you're one of the female drag queens i used to work on the gay scene when i was 18 yeah and that was my uh, the female drag queens i love female drag queens. Well, that was something that i didn't like know existed until recently mm-hmm. which was amazing it was because i grew up you know seeing lots of drag queens and stuff like my mom's friends and stuff were drag queens so i was like 
always loved that side of, of the culture. And then I was like, oh, I, I just not for me, though. I'm not ever allowed to do it. <laughs> I didn't know until recently. Like, oh, no, there's a... You're totally allowed thing. to do this. Yeah, yeah it's very welcome. Yeah. So let's. I'm just going to um, say what we know about you, and then you can sort of fill us okay. in. So um, I, I know personally um, that you did an amazingly well-received uh, show at Edinburgh Fringe last year um, that my boss totally fangirled over and came back <laughs> and was like, she's amazing, called Feminasty. Yeah. So if you could perhaps tell us a little bit about that show. Yeah, so Feminasty is a, a character-slash-variety show. So it's mainly characters that, I wrote sort of out of a response to things that were either making me angry or worrying me about the state of uh, specifically uh, the representation of women in the media. But, well, gender in the media, I should say, because in the show I also talk about uh, gender roles for men. Um, and uh, in addition to the characters, I also do some songs and stand-up and sketches and other little bits and pieces that kind of, I just wanted to make a, everything that can kind of suit what I was trying to say and the message I was trying to get across. And I still couldn't get it all into the show because it's only an hour and we can't solve, solve all this in an hour. So I also made a zine that I hand out as people leave with some more information. <laughs> I think we actually pilfered one of the definitions from that for our children. We, I work for a children's charity oh, okay. and you defined something there. Okay. Uh, I can't remember what it was. But yeah, I just remembered that yeah. she came back, my boss, and was like, you have to read this, this scene. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, really, really cool. Um, would you say, I mean, I don't know enough about the characters in the show, sure. but um, just give us a run through as to like what, what kind of characters were you showing? Okay, so one of the characters that, the, the one I wrote first was a 14-year-old YouTube blogger called Oklahoma James. And she totally came out of my fear of what is going to happen to the next generation if they consume all of this stuff. And uh, so none of my characters are, like, nice people you'd want to be friends with. They're all, like, the worst of it. So it's sort of a satire of, you know, characters. So she talks, she sort of self-objectifies. She talks about... um, you know, she like doesn't understand racism clearly. <laughs> you know, it's all these uh, these things that uh, that you know we see kids uh, going through today. Um, if they aren't like sort of caught in time and taught like real things. <laughs> Sorry, that was like the most inarticulate way to say no, that. No, no, like Talk we, we were things. talking about this the other day, how like actually we've lived through this era of actually seeing social media turn into a really, really powerful force and actually we can look at it with a little bit of scepticism and sure. be like, you know, actually we're not quantifiable by the number of likes that we get. And um, But actually a lot of young people, they've grown up in this. So, they, so they, they, they're going to have this quantifiable way of like looking at the world and this completely different way of, of accessing information. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily bad. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And I think that the where I, I don't want to just write off the you know internet and social media stuff as as being poisonous for for kids, but obviously some of the social behaviors that human beings act out online is what's dangerous as well. Like I talk a lot about throughout a few of the characters, cyber harassment is brought up. And so at the end, you know, for her, it's just the norm. So she's like, you know, write on my YouTube blog, like write some comments, like tell me if you think I'm ugly or fat or annoying, like tell me if you want to stick a dick between my tits, you know, like normal stuff that you tell me, you know, and that's the kind of thing that like, that like worries me that kids like just normal for them, like, you know. It's been completely normified, whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so you were a feminist podcast. Um, you identify as, as a feminist, yeah, that be sure, right. Yeah. So, I mean, but are there things that maybe, um, I'm interested to know whether or not, there, what assumptions people make about feminists and are there assumptions that people make that irritate you? 
I think I haven't encountered it myself. I think maybe I'm just lucky that I have, you know, am in a circle of people who seem to at least understand what it is and don't have misconceptions. A lot of the things I hear about are the sort of more come from actually young women who are I think unfairly asked, you know, are you a feminist? Do you identify as a feminist? And then they have to sort of like scramble for language that they don't necessarily have because they haven't learned all about it. And they seem more concerned about, so that, you know, being seen as hating men, uh, which, and they're like, oh, I, I don't hate men, so I guess I'm not a feminist. <laughs> and, and, and so I think it's just education about what the word means. I saw one the other day where this um, uh, that sort of meme that was going around uh, with a comedian maybe she had a show I don't know if she was a comedian or maybe she was like a singer or something but she was talking about you know oh oh I'm not a feminist and then went on to this I just believe and went on to believe like list everything that makes a feminist (laughs) I think that's the thing we keep coming across as well is that you know as as feminists and I mean in London it's very easy to surround yourself with people that are very liberated and would never like men women whatever like just being very open about the fact they're feminist or not even thinking it's something that they have to wear like a label and then going just very slightly outside of this lovely nest of London and suddenly realising that those connotations still really very much exist and then I guess this is kind of our attempt to try and create a platform where we can break that down a little bit in, in a small way yeah that's something that I don't know how I don't know how we, we go about tackling that but it seems like for you you've got so many things going on you've got your podcast your show um, do you feel like in, in, in any small way that that helps demystify like what this means this I, word I hope so I mean I kind of assume and maybe I shouldn't that my audience are coming to me especially because my show is called Feminasty that they're already sort of on board with these issues I haven't had any trolls essentially come to see the show to heckle me with with sexist things like because why would you waste your money you know on that I don't think they're like the trolls really want to spend their dollar on it. maybe they do probably maybe so like some of the ones that are like cyber harassing the Gamergate guys like those kind of guys I don't know but no I, I haven't experienced that um so I I'm assuming that my audience are coming to me with a little knowledge already and maybe probably already identify as feminists actually so what I'm trying to do is like okay how can we take those of us who are already on that side like and learn more because actually we have a lot more to learn and unpack and I'm still learning every day um uh certain words like intersectionality which to me is a really important word in feminism and um to to explain to listeners who might not know yeah, no, I don't here. know either yeah okay so intersectionality uh, uh is basically um there's, there's sort of two things you have to understand. The first thing is privilege, which is just understanding your own privilege and recognizing that other people have uh, different oppressions that intersect and we can't solve them all alone. So uh, I'm a white woman and I can't speak for all women because of that. Um, and um, so a woman of color or a gay woman or a Muslim woman will have a different experience in, in the world uh, because of that. And they're going to be sort of getting it from, from different angles, right? So it's just intersectionality is the part of feminism that really needs to acknowledge that as we are trying to work towards these issues that um, we have a lot of things to cover. Um, so that's a term that I've, I've learned over the years is really important in feminism, especially today. It's, it's sort of a newer word, or at least it's becoming bigger over the last few years. And I wouldn't have learned that word without the, the internet, <laughs> you know, and following feminists online who, uh, who, talk about these issues 
the privilege is like sounds like I remember that was the word that we actually picked up out of the magazine. Okay. Like, this is an excellent way to describe it to someone that doesn't understand that they're privileged. I had a conversation with my boyfriend where I was trying to explain to him that when I tell him he's privileged, I'm not saying it as an insult because yeah. so many times I'd say, Well, of course you think that that's because you're coming at this from a point of privilege. I'm not privileged. Like don't like privileged people are X, Y, and Z. Actually everyone has their own form of privilege. Everybody. And there's a really great video. So one of the feminists I was talking about that I follow who I actually learn a lot from is a woman named Francesca Ramsey um, and she does lots of great videos at the moment she's on television she's doing the nightly show which is like the after the daily show I think in the state so she's doing really well uh, and anyway she does a great video talking about how everyone has privilege so she's, she's a black woman she's like I have privilege because I can walk and use my legs and I'm like have ability like I'm healthy like you know so everybody has privilege in different ways um privilege is like the stuff that you have yeah yeah if you have something then that's a (laughs) privilege that's a really good way to put it yeah um that's kind of how I explain to my boyfriend is like you have things whatever you have yeah that's a thing but it's it's important to acknowledge that the way we look at the world is often framed by that privilege absolutely and especially for uh white people in certain parts of the world uh the media and the way everything is framed is to block us from acknowledging that yeah Yeah. so that we so so that we don't even see it so that that's why you have people denying that uh sexism exists or denying that racism exists because it doesn't affect them i think that that's one quote that goes around the internet every now and then i really like which is privileges um not thinking something's a problem because it doesn't affect you personally I'm going to look at my questions again. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, what is it that you love about cabaret and drag and all that? Uh, it's funny. I haven't, because I haven't been in that world myself in so long, and like, well, it's been a few years since I've really been entrenched in it. Um, but I really love RuPaul's Drag Race. I've been watching that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, again, that show also is problematic in some ways. And... Uh, so for people listening, like it has, you know, there's been issues with trans community. There's been some race issues brought up. Um, but I think the point is, is like, again, everyone has privilege and everything's problematic. So once you kind of accept that and you're like, okay, I'm going to just like acknowledge it and enjoy what I can just saying that for anyone who might be listening, Mm -hmm. I might go, but, um, so, uh, what do I love about that community? Or not the community, but rather the, the art form. The theater of yeah, it. The yeah. theater of it. I really like, I love things that are camp and I love things that are fun. I think fun is, and entertainment is so important to me. That's how I listen to things. And I think what's great about Dragon Cabaret is it's really fun, but it's almost always making a some sort of political statement or some sort of statement just by existing because it's subverting uh, the expectation or subverting the status quo. And I think that for me is like the most exciting thing is when something is, is subverting your expectation. Uh, and yeah, that's what I like about it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm on a very similar wavelength. Like I love the fact that it's a theatre. So, um, and it's a sort of space where all of those things can be hashed out. So mm. it's like, yeah, it's very carnival-esque in that way of, like, you yeah. can come at this with really sort of sometimes quite problematic yeah. cliches, but you can play them out. Yeah, it's there. not hiding from anything. I feel like it's definitely, like, it's really bold, mm-hmm. and sometimes it misses the mark because it's trying something bold, mm-hmm. but at least it's trying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing I've been thinking about drag lately, actually, is what it what it is. I mean, because one thing I like about drag is that 
the uh, the the character of it. Um, but sorry, I I forgot halfway through that sentence what I was trying to say. <laughs> but the other the other thing that I love about track, um, or that that I'm finding interesting about it, is the idea of that it is a uh, commentary on women and and or rather the like sort of society's idea of a woman mm. and um it's actually often quite a feminist thing mm. because it's it's doing what I do with my characters where I'm basically taking you know a, a woman and, and satirizing a certain aspect of that culture they're satirizing gender and the whole idea of it and, and messing around with that I really love that same yeah. and I love the fact that it turns into this very wild very sparkly very powerful high-heeled thing yeah you know so it's like, I like the fact that when when men play with the female gender, they they make it so oomphy. Yes, so. that's what I was trying to say that I forgot yeah. <laughs> earlier, that there's a certain character, like, there's a certain... And the thing is, like, as, as I'm learning, like, the more people who do drag you meet, like, not all of them are, like, fierce and vicious or whatever. But, um, you know, there is, like you said, something quite powerful. Um, that's the, I think it's recognised as something which is... Um, an amazing thing to be able to play with. So if you're a man and you're a drag queen, what I, what I used to love about working on the gay scene was that you'd see these men that in the day I wouldn't recognise them. They'd come up and be like, mm, it's mysterious. Then I'd be like, oh my God, I didn't realise it was you. And then you'd see her at night and you'd be like, yeah. wow, you're like this incredibly like oomphy character. Yeah. And the fact that the gender the assuming of that gender for them was something which was which was totally it's empowering yeah, and free empowering, yeah. and I, I that's what i love i love about drag and i think yeah yeah i mean i could talk about drag more but i think uh, one thing i think is interesting is learning about like like we talked about female drag queens that's new and also that straight men are doing drag now and i think that's fantastic because i i don't know how i haven't actually had this conversation like with a gay person who does drag so like i don't know they might have problems with it or or, or what but i mean I, in theory i like the idea of that, you know, that it's straight men are just, you know, as interested in discussing this sort of gender thing as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Why I shouldn't they? agree. Yeah. So Feminasty was for Edinburgh last year. Edinburgh last year. What are you working on now? Well, I'm touring Feminasty and I just want to keep doing it as much as possible because there's still a lot you know, Edinburgh, you know, I was in a 60-seat venue for 24 days. I didn't sell out every day. I'm guessing, like, maybe 600 people saw the show across the month of August. And, uh, you know, that's nice. But, like, some theaters, like, that's what you would do in a night, <laughs> you know. So I just feel like I've got more things I want to say, more people I want to see it. So I'm just going to keep going with Feminasty for a while. Um, and I don't know when this comes out, but I'm... Uh, next week? Next week? Yep. Okay. So if any listeners are in Oxford, I'll be there on the... I want to say 7th of May. It's a Saturday. Yes, 7th of May. I will be in Bristol on the 2nd of June, and I will be in Birmingham on the 4th of June. But I, I wanted to specifically tour university towns as well because I my the students I, th- I found were my favorite audiences, and they're people who get it and want to learn more and also tweet about it and tell everyone to come see it. <laughs> they know the Twitter things. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's how we say it works. The yeah. Twitter things. Yeah. Um, Oxford's great. I, I've been to Oxford a few times. They've got some really wild vaudevillian kind of things oh, cool. into. It's really, really fun. Um, so you said in earlier that you sort of struggled to get an hour's worth in for Edinburgh. Yeah. What What's overspilled then? What are you now playing with? Um, well, uh, that's a good. That's a good question. I mean, a lot. The, the, a lot of the stuff in, in that you would have seen in the zines. So talking about privilege, I, I did manage to crowbar in a section on intersectionality, which I explained earlier. So I talk about that. 
um, where I kind of like make a comparison between myself and Nicki Minaj. And I'm like, you know, I'm not like, I know that, you know, we both are loudmouth feminists who do characters while wearing wigs and dropping sick beats, but we're not the same person because she's a woman of color and I need to acknowledge that she has a different experience. So that's like, I have that section now. Um, I... Uh, like I don't know if I've added much I uh, I think you know I'm talking about race a lot and I think that's just at the moment that is something over the last year maybe that I'm even more trying to like incorporate into my work and as a white woman obviously there's like a limited of like what I can say but it's just about also just acknowledging other people's voices and like you know saying to people because a lot of my audiences are other white people and saying like guys like we have a lot of work to do mm-hmm. <laughs> you know do yeah. you get that thing of like oh I'm a feminist and I'm white and I feel really almost feel guilty about the fact of it like I don't know how to explain it clearer than that like I think because I, I also have a lot of feminist friends who are white who are from a background where um where, where basically middle class white women sure. probably read the guardian and there's this sense of like oh we can't how do we include people that aren't like that whilst also massively acknowledging that that's an issue yeah uh I mean, it's a good question it's something i'm i'm trying to figure out because uh one thing that has come up a lot in in the last well i mean again I, i'm only aware of it in the last year is the term white feminist which is not every feminist who's white is a white feminist white feminist specifically talks about the the women who maybe don't recognize intersectionality and um my uh my concern about that and I'm happy to be someone to like teach me like why I'm wrong on this but but my concern is that uh we're we write people off for it before we give them a chance to learn so um Lena Dunham is someone I bring up a lot in this right so uh a massive feminist voice in popular culture at the moment, uh, regardless of what you think of her or her work, I happen to like her and her work. So I'm going to just say that. (laughs) Um, And when her TV show Girls first came out on HBO, it was criticized because it's New York City and there was like no black people. And it was like, you know what? Like that's a fair criticism. Mm -hmm. But whenever she's been criticized for anything like that, she goes, holds her hands up and she's like, actually, you're right. Let me learn to do some reading and get back to you and like fix this problem. And her recent work, she's done a podcast, which is called The Women of the Hour, which I highly recommend. And she has a newsletter that uh, goes out in emails that she features. It's sort of sort of almost like a magazine, like an online magazine. And the people who she features on the podcast and the newsletter are like incredibly intersectional, like all sorts of different voices she's incorporating and letting people speak for themselves as well. She's not just sort of like using them as adornments, you know, and saying, look, I'm, look I've got a black friend. <laughs> like she's, say, she's just like, letting a black woman speak so I think uh but a lot of people don't know about that so they still label her with the original thing and a lot of other women who've been criticized for being white feminists like Patricia Arquette after the Oscars last year made a speech where she said some problematic things and was criticized and uh a more recent interview said you know what they were right I needed to be told that um I think a lot of feminists have their heart in the right place we just haven't like I said done the reading yet or been to, like learned these things so we have to seek it out ourselves but uh sometimes you don't know until you make the mistake absolutely yeah. I think there's that that like Orwellian thing of like you write what you know you talk about what you know and if you're a white feminist then you're going to talk about your experiences as a white as a white woman being a feminist in a middle yeah. class thing so actually there's that real balance of like yes of course you need to make sure that you're thinking about and, and making sure that as a feminist you're saying I'm saying this from a perspective of this, but at the same time, not to try and crowbar things that you don't know about. And I think that's what I love about Lenny is that it's this thing of like, 
giving a platform that you have as an, as a point of privilege exactly. to someone that knows about this yeah. rather than trying to talk for someone else. Well, that's the thing. Like I said, like so I'm really um, concerned with specifically what is happening with race in America right now. And uh, But for me to... Re- I've thought about like writing a show about race and I'm like, I don't know how comfortable I am. Like I would rather just like... I don't know. I have to figure out how to do it. That's the thing. It's like how to do it where I can sort of go, uh, you know, here's the voices you should be hearing. But but like, let me step off stage and just let someone else do the show. I mean, I don't know how else to do it. Yeah, I think it's um, that, that's, that's the way that I, I interpret anything like that is yeah. just if you've got a platform. But it's hard to, I'm not going to like pay six grand to take my show to Edinburgh and just sit on the sidelines the whole day. Like I have to perform my own show. Mm. So like it's, it's a hard thing to do. But like I, I would love to get to the, a place like Lena Dunham where I can produce other people's work mm. and, and just like, you know, be sort of give a platform to people, you know, to people. Um, that would be an ideal situation. I think in terms of the way I talk about race, I think maybe the angle I should try it is like, oh, like what white people need to be doing because in the same way that I feel like men need to be involved in feminism, I think uh, white people need to be involved in anti-racism because it's like, well, we're the ones who have to fix this, fix this problem. We're the ones doing it. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Yeah. No small feet. Yeah. 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 But I. But I. But that's how I feel. You know. I. In fact, you. Well, you asked me like things that I'm. What else I'm doing at the moment? I'm really interested, and I don't know what it will be yet. But in doing something that engages men in feminism, because uh, I think that's the next frontier. It's the next frontier, but it it just makes so much sense yeah. because they are completely affected by gender roles, and a lot of uh, feminist. Uh, activists and and filmmakers and things like that are already starting to talk about this in their work uh but it it is so important because and like I said we have to things like teaching men about consent Mm -hmm. you know is something that you know like I said it's their responsibility to stop raping it's not our responsibility to change our behavior so we we're not we can't just a bunch of women get in a room and decide to stop rape like they need to do it and so I, I really would like to see more men, activist, feminists that just like that's their cause. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that would be I think, yeah, if I could have a wish for this, this generation and for my lifetime, yeah. it would be that feminism turns into something which people go, men didn't feel comfortable it, like with the term feminist. Yeah. Are you kidding? Like yeah. I would really like that to be the thing. Yeah. Um, and I guess who knows? So I, I yeah, I think. That, that's that's a wrap, isn't it? So thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, of course. And um, I hope I didn't fangirl too much, but no, that, that no, was, was it was really really nice yeah, to meet you. It's hard to like limit this to a yeah to, really great you know, chat. There's so much more to talk about. Yeah, of but you know we might well pass you to come back um, at some point in the future. I'd love to. Um, so your next when are you next is to drill that home again? When are you doing feminazi uh, next? Seventh. So this is 2016. Yep. <laughs> if you're listening in the future, <laughs> uh, it's the seventh of May in Oxford the 2nd of June in Bristol, and the 4th of June in Birmingham. Fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I'm on Twitter at the Megan Ford and my website, meganford.co.uk, and I'm on Facebook too, so you can find, and the show's Feminasty, and you can find, you know, if I post about gigs and dates and things like that all the time on there. And I also try and post, like, interesting feminist links and also jokes. Which is always good. And yeah, we'll, let's not forget that what we're here for is yes. the comedy. What's your podcast as well? You've got a podcast. Oh, I've got a podcast called Hang Time with Sean and Megan, which is not 
uh, feminist in nature, but it uh, it slips in, and it's about um, '90s TV, so teen television specifically. So we, I mean, it's completely nostalgic for our own childhoods, where we get together and watch a few episodes of some of the the teen shows. So we've done Dawson's Creek, we've done Fresh Prince, Clarissa Explains It All, that kind of thing. Nice, yeah. We've just been listening to it, and we love it. So, <laughs> really nice to have you, Megan. Thank, Thank you. you.